0: We bring in then that uh, curious, uh, at least at the beginning and the uh, uh, onset, the curious verse in uh, chapter 6 of Romans, and it's verse 14. He's talking, remember, about freedom from sin, freedom from the judgment and identity and condemnation of sin. And he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Wow. First of all, this is kind of uh, Paul jumping forward a little bit because he's going to talk about the law in chapter 7. And yet he's introduced law here in uh, chapter 6 before finishing off. I wonder why he did that. It's curious to me, actually. But still, there is a lot of great truth that we can explore in this one verse alone. What does he mean when he says sin? Sin. Well, we all think of various sins, don't we? Adultery or theft or anger or um, condemning others or um, various things that we do. Uh, Then the addictions like drugs and alcohol, and we think of those as sin. But Paul is talking about sin in a much wider way. How do I know that? Well, partly, of course, because of the context I've been teaching you from uh, for the last several weeks. But in the verse, it says, For sin shall not have dominion. The word dominion there is very, very important. Why? Because it talks about something reigning, something having... Power over us, dominating us. Sin shall not have dominion. So obviously, he's talking about the kingdom of Adam, which brings about sin and death. Sin shall not have dominion over you, meaning the kingdom of Adam will no longer have dominion over you. That kingdom which condemns you, which says you're destined to extinction or hell, which says you are under the judgment of God, which says that you are not worth anything because you are seeded with sin and death, all of that now is over. For sin shall not have dominion over you. And so, again, when we look at our struggles with various addictions or obsessive and uh, thoughts or compulsive behaviors, when we look at these things or worries or anxieties and we think of them as something we have to overcome, we need to understand that someone has already overcome them for us, and that someone, of course, is Jesus Christ, so that he has overcome the kingdom of Adam. He has been able to bring us out of it because he was the one human being that did not come under its dominion. So in Christ, there is a new dominion, and it's not condemnation and death, but righteousness and peace and life. So then sin shall not have dominion over you. And we therefore say to God, Father, I thank you that I'm not under the dominion of sin. I thank you that I am not in the kingdom of Adam. Even though my body is, my human nature is, until the coming of Jesus Christ, but I am not counted, counted, reckoned as being there. Now when you speak like this to God, you speak in faith. And that is the faith that God has given you. And it's an amazing thing because it lifts up your heart, it gives you encouragement, it um, buoys up your spirit, it uh, increases your drive to go on in this mad, mad world, and you have every confidence you will arrive safely uh, at the shore because Jesus is your pilot. So then it says, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law. Now, under law, there's an important point there, an important expression. You've heard me talk about this before, where Paul uses the word under. He speaks about being under law, under sin, under wrath. He's talking about that force dominating us or ruling us. The law is not something we simply try to obey. It is something that is dominating us. And I want you to notice that Paul is here beginning to hint at, which he will make very, very clear in verse, uh, chapter 7, that the law is part of the kingdom of Adam. The part of the kingdom of sin and death, that is an astonishing thing, because the law of God is the law of God. How could it possibly be part of the kingdom of Adam, of sin and death? Because our human nature has placed us on the wrong side of the law. The law does, no long, does not anymore, if it ever did, lead us to righteousness it leads us not only to a knowledge of sin but it excites our sin and we'll talk about that when we get to chapter 7 but understanding that is crucial to being a christian and to be and to and to knowing the gospel some people think that the law is the way god leads us to righteousness after we have been converted they think that First of all, Jesus comes along and dies for our sins so that we are no longer uh, counted as sinners. That's all the past wiped out. But then the future we have to face. And how do we face the future? Well, we face the future by the Holy Spirit giving us an ability to keep the law now so that we become righteous that way. But that is not the gospel. The way of the gospel is not that faith and law are on a line, as it were, and faith is directing us to the law, which leads us to obedience. In the gospel, faith and law are opposites. If we are saved by the law, we do not need faith. The truth is that the law was given not to make us righteous, but to reveal and to, well, let's say two things, to reveal sin and to make us sinners. You may be shocked by that last uh, clause I uh, expressed, because the truth is the law incites sin. That's chapter 7, verse 5. How can it do that? Well, you see, the law brings condemnation and guilt and shame and fear. And what that leads us to do is to be afraid of God and shut us, shut him out of our minds, to forget him. And so we hide from him, just as Adam and Eve did, and we put artificial clo- spiritual clothes on to impress him somehow. But we know we can't, And finally, we just dive into the cave of sin because that's the only comfort available. So sin is excited by the law. Now Paul here says, for you are not under the law. In other words, just as sin is not having dominion over you, now the law is not having dominion over you. Now some... Christians who are legalists or perfectionists get very nervous at this point because they say, if this teaching is right that Colin is is giving us today, you're not under the dominion of the law, then what in the world will stop me from sinning? Because the legalist, you see, has used the law all his life all all his Christian life, or even, I might say, even your non-Christian life because the law is in your conscience, uh, to keep himself from sinning. He thinks the law will actually keep him from sinning. And that is completely, diametrically opposed to the purpose of the law. Paul says the law makes us conscious of sin, and excites sin. And what he is doing there is correctly interpreting history. Why did God give the law in the first place? Did he give it to Israel to make them holy? No. He gave the law to Israel to make them aware of their sinfulness. Well, why would he want us forever to be aware of our sinfulness? So that we would so that Israel would lean upon the sacrifices which were given every day on behalf of Israel's sins. The morning, you remember, the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice every day and then all the individual sacrifices given for individual sins. When Israel Oh, the people of Israel sat down on a rock and paused and thought about that. They said, they must have asked, Why am I giving these sacrifices? And what is that sacrifice, that morning and evening sacrifice all about? And, of course, they would have thought, Well, something else, someone else, that animal is carrying my sins to the, to the, uh, to the, uh, to the uh, altar. Well, how do I know I have sins? Well, because of the law. So, you see, the purpose of the law is not to make me righteous, but to point me to is, uh, to Jesus Christ, to the sacrifice of Christ for the sins of the world. But you say, well, then, if I'm not under the law, then it's not pointing to my sin anymore. Well, precisely, because you're not under the law because Christ took your sin upon himself at the cross. And so you are now under grace. Look, you can't be not under the law and nothing else. In other words, if you're not under grace, you'd better get back under the law again in order to control yourself. But of course it won't control you, it'll just torment you. But at least it's better to be tormented until <laughs> until you Rush back to the sacrifice of Jesus. But there are many Christians today who are not under the law and they're not under grace either because they've become liberals and they're just living within the so-called comfort of their more elevated human nature. Uh, They don't believe in the gospel anymore. They've become humanists and uh, they're not feeling guilt, but they go on happily in this life but they're not happily under grace either. They're just under self-confidence. That is 100% delusion. But we are not under the law because we are under grace. To be under grace is to be under the loving, kind, generous, merciful, comforting love of Jesus. To be hidden behind or under his wings, to be safely within the cleft of the rock. To be under grace is to be sure of eternal salvation because God has given Jesus as our righteousness. Thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here and how it happens. You can listen to this broadcast on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas or repeat it at 4 in the morning on KLTT. AM 670, the call letters and numbers, AM 670. And you can also hear this broadcast any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in how it happens with Colin Cook when you get there. If you'd like to make an end-of-year donation, please do so. You can do so online at faithquestradio.com. Thank you so much for all your support, your little notes. I do appreciate them very, very much. And so, I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.